Hey, you are listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Got to take care of a few things before we jump into this week's episode. First, our ramping isometrics for BJJ program. It is a 12-week program all laid out for you. It's going to help you build strength and cardio in the fastest, safest, and most convenient way possible. This is how James and I have been training for the past year, and we love it. So we put this program together so you can just follow along, and we are certain you will see and feel the benefits that we do. It's only 15 bucks. Just go to GrumpyGuyBJJ.com, click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner, and you'll find it. Next, R3. Is this is our K2 D3 supplement. It is a combination combination of those two vitamins D3 and K2. These are two vitamins that James and I have been taking for a long time that really help us recover from hard training sessions. And for only 15 bucks with free shipping, you get a whole month supply. I was going to pull up some studies explaining the benefits of D3 and K2, but I'm not going to insult your intelligence and pretend to be a fucking scientist. I take it it helps me recover. That's it. So for 15 bucks, check it out. And last but certainly not least, we have partnered up with Dejitsu.com. They have a ton of awesome BJJ instructionals, and they have hooked us up with a discount code for our listeners. It's Grumpy10. So what you got to do is you go to Dejitsu.com, which is D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com. Find the instructionals you want, throw them in a shopping cart, in the little discount code box, you type in Grumpy10, which is just G-R-U-M-P-Y, and the number 10, one zero. That's it. No spaces. Boom. You get 10% off. You're up and running. They got a nice app you can download on your phone. That way you can take your instructions right to the gym with you, watch the technique, drill it. It's a pretty sweet setup. So once again, D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com, discount code Grumpy10, G-R-U-M-P-Y, one zero. Simple as that. To find all this stuff I just got done talking about, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com. Click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner. There, you'll subscribe to our newsletter for podcast updates. You'll find links for the Ramping ISOs program, the R3 Recovery Supplement, and then under the Programs and Products tab, you'll find a link to dejitsu.com. And let's be honest, if you guys can't figure out how to navigate a website by now, there's nothing I can do to help you. So quit fucking around. Check it out, train hard, and let's get into this week's episode. Three and... Yeah. Okay. We're back, back again. Once again. Once again. We're not live. Well, we're yeah. live. We stopped saying that. I know. Pretty early on. Yeah. It only took us like 20 episodes. <laughs> but at this point, I guess it's early on. Dude, we never did it. Well, when we first started recording, we used to record on like Thursday, and then I'd have to, I'd hurry up and get it out by Friday. That's right, yeah. When we first started we did, doing it. Yeah, we were trying to do the quick turnaround. Then we realized we were straining producer Rob's yep. skills. My skills so and my time. We had to... So then we started doing so a week we got delay. the time delay one, yeah. I will say we're probably unique in the podcasting world <laughs> that way. <laughs> we, we record an episode, we talk about shit that happened in current events... And then we fucking wait a week. <laughs> maybe that's a problem. Maybe that's not why we're not hitting fucking JRE numbers here or something. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I think it'd be. A they good, could be more than one thing causing. Could be. Problem. Yeah. I, I I figure it's a good chance to revisit shit. You'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that. But anyways. So. Sure. Yeah. Here we are though. Friday afternoon. Going in this evening. Yeah. 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 You guys training tonight? Yeah. I'm gonna see how my shin does. 
it's still I'm so pissed. It's still pretty tender. Dude, yeah, it's probably one of the worst, stupidest injuries I've ever had. So like just to recap, because not everybody knows what happened to my shin. I was trying to get in my fucking attic in my garage, and <laughs> the ladder starts getting away from me. It just I was it hit that that angle where it starts to tip, and I thought it was like up in the little space so like and it slipped out and then it starts coming away <laughs> and I got my car in the garage and I'm like running across the garage and my brain can't even process what's happening as it's happening you know what I mean like I in any second I'm like it, I'm like wait a minute this is all gonna like come back around like what's going on here is so I'm fucking and I'm running across the garage trying to keep this this ladder from you know crashing into my car and all sorts of shit and end up like running into, it was the vent, the big fucking vent that comes out of the top of my heater in my garage. Luckily, it, nothing happened to that. It was, you know, a little mark on it, but it was tough enough. But my shin on the other hand, because we come to this abrupt stop, just and I'm running, and like just slam my shins into it Ugh. at mock speed. And uh, yeah, I mean, one of them ripped, you know, got a little gash in it. It was. Did like, you get both shins or just like no, just, just that this one? one just this one, my lead one. Gotcha. And like, dude, it took me a second. I was sitting there like, I swear I must have sat there for five seconds, like trying to wrap my mind around what just happened. <clears throat> my shins bleeding and my freaking, you know, dogs quaking in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what's about to come. I'm like, motherfucker, what the fuck? <laughs> and so. uh Anyways, I got up in the attic and found out that there was nothing up there worth getting hurt for. But I slammed my bone, man. I want my bone right down by my ankle got slammed really hard. And so it's super tender to the touch, which is just ridiculous. So, like, I can't train because of a bruise. But. Dude, I've done that bad enough on your shins. Dude, you get that bone bruise. And it lasts a long time. You'll think it's getting better, and then it just gets touched. And yeah. it's like, oh, it just. I've been putting so the CBD on it, uh-huh. and it's been actually like, I mean, today, it's feeling, I think I'm going to, I think I'll be all right, but I don't know, we'll see. If you see me giving up position, really, for some funny reason, just look, and you'll probably see someone wrapping around my fucking ankle. Uh, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure you're probably at the point to where you can get a, a couple rounds in, yeah. until it gets whacked real good, and then once it gets whacked oh, real good, dude, someone does probably, an Irish shin kicking move on Yeah, it'll yeah. be about the end of your night. Yeah. Maybe yeah. squeeze out another round or two. Yeah, we'll see. I've already been thinking, like, man, what can I put on it? Can I, like, tape a fucking rag around it or something? Nothing. Just give it a little Ace cushioning. Just maybe a little bit something. of cushioning. But it, uh, yeah, I tried to train. What was that, Tuesday night? Yeah, I tried to train, and uh, Lucas got me in quarter guard, and he wrapped his fucking thighs around my ankle and starts moving <laughs> and I just was I tried to get out of there and, and he transitioned to like a butterfly hook under my ankle and I was like dude I'm I tap I'm like tap 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 it was just it hurt so bad man and it's like that it's just weird man there's like degrees of pain mm-hmm. like that's like this weird electric like your brain is shutting off like I, I was like just like I couldn't do fucking jujitsu there was nothing I could do but just try to get the fuck away from there so I was like tap tap and of course, usually when someone says tap in some weird position, like something's happened. Right. And so, of course, Luke's like, oh man, what happened? Are oh, you all right? And I'm like, dude, it's my shin. You know, don't worry about it. But, uh, you know, I kind of felt bad. Like, I, I don't, I don't like doing that to people. 
um, you know, tapping in a weird spot because I know exactly how it is. It's weird. It's, it's a, weird. It's unexpected. Yeah, and you've had, you know, we've yeah. all had it happen where someone's like, dude, something's just popped or something strained or whatever. Well, then, like, when you're when you're on the other end of that and you're in a position to all of a sudden somebody says tap and you know no one's threatened anywhere, it takes a minute for your brain to, like, process it. Yeah. You're like, what? Did he yeah. say tap? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, shit, it takes you a minute to like stop. You're yeah. Like, and then you feel bad. You're like, oh, fuck. Was I it took me something? a second. Right, right. Because yeah. we're trained. That's what I mean. Like, you know, we're trained to like, man, you hear someone say tap or you hear that tap stop. and it's Everything like, just wow. it's like a, you know, your whole mindset changes. That is an interesting thing though, dude. You're going from like, I'm going to kill you, motherfucker, to like, whoa, dude, whoa, okay. Like, even if you hold on to like half a second too long, you're like, yeah. dude, I'm sorry, man. You're all right. And, and, uh, so yeah, that's why I hate doing that to people. So usually if I, you know, if I'm hurt too much to roll in, you know, yeah, like something that might get hurt worse. Like my shin, that's the thing. I was like, dude, it's not going to get hurt worse. No, you're not. There's no... No. It wasn't like broken and it was going to get, you know, worse or I was going to delay healing. It just was going to hurt really, really bad. But, uh, um, so anyways, that was, hopefully it'll be good. But yeah, dude, it's going on a week. Today's Friday. It's going to take another week, a couple weeks. It's going to take probably a month before it's like... Not sensitive at all. Maybe. I bet. Well, see, but you're forgetting that I'm a former mountain biker. Oh, that's right. And I really don't have all the nerve endings on my shins anymore. You've bashed your shins I lot. have destroyed these things. That's yeah. Great. I got like, yeah. It's, that's funny, man. You can't see them as bad now, man. These things used to just be covered with fucking scars. That's one of the reasons why I, I stopped mountain biking. Because I got yeah. sick of bashing my fucking shins. That was before the catalyst pedals, man. It was. People's feet slip off when they're not balanced right. Yeah. So... I mean, it, my foot definitely slips off from time to time. I'm not going to tempt the mountain biking gods, but <laughs> it is crazy though, dude. I used to slip pedals. I remember when I first started riding, I had, I called them my cross country shinnies. They're these little fucking cheap uh, plastic motocross mm-hmm. shin pads that I would wear when I would just go pedaling around doing cross country rides because, you know, I didn't want my full on pads like if I was downhilling or whatever, but you slip a pedal and you take it to the shin, it hurts. It hurts, dude. Fucking hurts, man. I remember there's this one dude we rode with, and he fucking, God, what do we call him? Johnny Shins. That's right, because he got he bashed his shins real bad on some ride. This guy that we were with, like, couldn't remember his name, and he just started calling him Johnny Shins. <laughs> his fucking name stuck. That's awesome. He became Johnny Shins. I can't remember his, like, Kelly would remember him, but I can't remember his actual fucking name, man. He was just Johnny, Johnny Shins. Shins. But, uh, I remember I went and bought him a pair of shin pads, and on it, it said, cheaper than stitches. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, if you're gonna run flat pedals on a mountain bike, you, know, you either need to run fucking good pedals, like Catalyst, or cover your shins, son. So, but either way, apparently, uh, I need shin pads getting into my Dude, I, I've done, I've hurt myself doing stupid home projects more than I care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> I have, man. There, let's see. Well, one time, yeah, I, there's two of them that stick out in my head. One was actually at work when I worked at Halliburton. I was swinging, we used a three-pound sledgehammer a lot. We had to, like, you know, fasten iron together. And, I mean, you're out there just beating the fuck out of something. It was, and I remember I whiffed, I missed, just glanced over the iron and whacked my shin super hard dude like it, it, was one, it was one of those to like it didn't even hurt at first because my brain had to 
calculate what happened. And my buddy, that my coworker, that was standing there, and he's seen it, and he's just his eyes are just like saucers, fucking looking at me, waiting for me to just start screaming. <laughs> oh, dude, that hurt so fucking bad. And then another time, I was under my sink, and you know, I don't know if I was putting in a new faucet or something, but you know, I was down there with a crescent wrench, loosening something up. I had a decent sized crescent wrench. I think I was having trouble breaking it loose. Yeah. And it came, it slipped off and whacked myself right in the bridge of the nose of the fucking oh. thing. Hard enough to fucking cut my nose, dude. Oh, I, dude. I, same thing, dude. I'm under my sink, fucking all contorted and whacking. And I was like, dude, that stung a little bit. And then I was like, oh, well, fuck it. I just kept working. And next thing you know, I kind of felt like something dripping down my cheek. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And sure shit, man, I cut the bridge of my nose. And oh, man. Yeah, that sucks, man. Needless to say, I'm not a improvement expert. No, man. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. Dude, whacking your shin with a sledgehammer, that's good. That hurt, dude. Yeah, I'm fucking... Very similar to, I've also done a doing box jumps when I used to be a CrossFit Kool-Aid drinker. Yeah. I remember missing one of those and blasting my shin. That hurt for fucking a month. I remember doing that as a kid and learning you don't want to do that. Yeah, like, trying to, <laughs> like challenging your buddy to jump up on a picnic table or something. Just you know, whatever, you know, man. Yeah, you, you got to jump whiff and just shins and eat it hard. That's why I was like, dude, fuck. Like, I'm just doing box jumps. I'm not going to say I never used them because, like everything else, there's no good or bad things. It's how you use them. Right. And they're just, it's when you start going to the extreme. Going to fatigue. Going yeah. to fatigue. On box jumps. And, That's not and you're going, like, high. Like, you're, you're trying to, like. Right push what you're doing but yeah if you're using them for what they were meant for the odds of getting hurt are pretty low pretty low but um yeah i i know dude it's funny man it's like everybody that i know that's done crossfit has fucking blasted their shins at some point and i just as a gym owner as a former facility owner i just can't first time that happened that fucking exercise would be gone it's just i can't wrap my mind around it like how that's the thing with me with like, you know, again, I know CrossFit's changing and there's good, bad, blah, blah, blah. But especially like at their, at their worst, the thing I could never wrap my mind around was how do you not understand that you are fucking responsible for what happens in that facility? If someone gets hurt, it's your fault. Like, and if you're not looking at it that way as a gym owner and a, and a trainer, like one, like if you're a client, you should be getting the fuck out of there. Like, you know, you need to be, you don't want someone who thinks like they're not doing anything wrong. It's always the client doing something wrong because then you're missing the opportunities to like, you know, maybe it was the client's fault, but you got to always approach it. They're like, no, that was my fault. That was bad exercise, bad equipment, bad whatever. And then look at it that way and, if, and then make changes based on it. And to just, and again, like I think that's a lot of what's, starting to happen like it's just man you can only see people blast their shins doing box jumps for so long before finally the general consensus starts to be like should we be taking box jumps yeah Yeah. should we be taking those to failure right you know so but that's the thing for me i never could understand was like how like just the the willful ignorance that was just rampant in that community man i don't want to bash on crossfit too much but I don't think I ever told you this story. One of the worst injuries I saw, enough to like, turn my stomach. Uh, the guy, he was supposed to be doing um, snatches, overhead snatches, but not into a squat snatch, but you know, just like a power snatch. Power snatch, yeah. Right? 
If anybody hasn't seen this, sorry for the explanation, but if you know where a power snatch is, your hands are really wide on the yep. bar. Yeah, make it like a Y, basically. Make it like a Y. Yeah. Then that's where you end up in a snatch. Yep. And I already see where this is going. Well, for some reason, and again, it's one of those exercises you shouldn't be doing to failure. Mm-mm. You know, it's very technical Olympic lifting exercise, especially if you're doing a full, you know, snatch. But even a power snatch, power it's a techni- yeah. technical move. <clears throat> this kid, there's a guy who's banging out reps, you know, amongst the other circuit of exercises, you know, tired as shit. He goes and grabs the bar, and instead of having his hands real wide, for some reason, he grabbed it like he was going to do like a press. Power snatch. Or, or, you or know, power, yeah. power, like a power, power clean. Yeah, power clean, yeah. And he ripped it up and went to go over his head like that. And it dislocated both his shoulders. Because he didn't have, I mean, because you got to have your hands wide yeah. to open them up. Yeah, And he yeah. left them narrow and like and in his head. He was still trying went. to do this. Yeah. And, oh, dislocated both his fucking shoulders, dude. Uh, On the spot. Uh, fucking weight came uh, Oh, dude. Ugh. Makes uh, me so turn thinking about it. Yeah. But I do, I, I will say though, I did see way back in the day when I first started learning about kettlebells, I saw some chick doing that, do that same thing with learning a kettlebell snatch. Yeah. She was doing a little more weight than she should have been. She threw it up and it just kept going backwards and her yep. shoulders like, <laughs> instead of just ditching it. Instead of ditching she it, tried she tried to, to hold she it. tried to hold it and just <laughs> seen her shoulder yep. go. That's like, dude, anytime you're doing it, I remember I, I had the, I was lucky enough to train with a guy uh, when I worked for the International Sports Sciences Association um, who was a, a pretty high-level Olympic weightlifter. I think I've told you before, like, he tried out for the U.S. national team a couple of times. And if you're trying out for that, you're like, you're fucking you're you're good, level, man. Yeah. You're throwing some weight over your head. And so I started, you know, he, he's training as an Olympic weightlifter. He's, he's doing it. And so I, I would train with him sometimes. And, man, I remember that was, like, lesson number one. Well, lesson number one was, like, Dude, you don't do these lifts with shit around you. Mm-hmm. Like you make sure your your fucking space is clear. And if you don't have a clear space, you don't do it. Because you got number plan two worse. You get is if shit starts to get away from you, you gotta get the fuck away from it. You yeah. do not try to 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 save a lift, especially in training. Right? Like doing it something in competition, you got like a world record. I like guess a different thing, but especially in training, man. Like you don't try and save a lift. But man, if you're, that's just it. It's like, you know, this is a sport, right? And there's, there's specific things you have to teach someone. It's like tapping out, right? Like if you teach, if you take someone and have them start rolling and you don't tell them first, like, Hey man, when things start going wrong, this is how you get out of it. This is how you say uncle. This is how you say uncle. Uh, then you end up with, cause even that guy there, like no offense, but like as soon as he felt shit start to go wrong. He should have fucking let go and fucking ran forward. Right. Like, got the fuck out of Dodge, man. As soon as he felt anything going wrong, he should have let go and get the fuck out of there. But he did it because, you know, probably wasn't told that. And two, you just know, man, like, these things are not being done in a space where you feel safe just fucking letting weight fly to get out of there. So, it's just, it's not a good combination. But even, like, doing snatches... And stuff with a kettlebell. It's the same thing. Like if you're if you're not teaching people these fundamental things, and you just start having them do it, like yeah, shit goes wrong. And so yeah, that's it's it's a sport, man. Olympic weightlifting is a sport, and using it as a way to train for another sport. It again, there's there's some merit to it, but 
man, more flaws in the race. Oh than man, yeah, yeah, a lot of flaws, dude. A lot dude. of flaws. Lot of it's flaws. just used incorrectly. Yeah, it looks good. They feel good. There's definitely a place for them, but um, man, they get it's uh, yeah, it's it's not a magic thing. They're like kettlebell swings. You know what I mean? Everyone's just like, oh, kettlebell swings are fucking magical. You know, Olympic weightlifting is magical. It's like you just do it and things get better. And it's like, ah, kind of, you know, but you can overdo it for sure. But yeah, that's just too bad. People shouldn't get hurt, man, training. Like that was always, you know, when I had my facility and I was a trainer, I was like, that's, I was drilled into me. I think I mentioned this before. It's like, what's, what is the point of a training program, injury prevention or performance enhancement? You have to pick one. Only one can be most important. Right, and so if you say performance enhancement, then you're then that means that you're willing to risk injury in order to uh, achieve that goal. Like because it's second, injury prevention is second. You're willing to walk that line a little bit more to try to enhance your performance. If it's flip, if injury prevention is your top goal, then you're more willing to, you know, leave a little performance on the table to make sure you don't get injured. And the thing is, is like, especially if you're an athlete, man, not being injured is the number one goal. It's it's like this cliche they got in the fucking the NFL shows, like the number one ability is availability. You know it what is. I mean? It is. It don't matter what how much talent you have. It doesn't matter what abilities you have. If you're not available, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. And so if you're not if you're not available to train, if you're not available to do things, that, you know those things, then it doesn't matter. Like you, it, it's uh, the way that I heard it originally was like, if you're hurt, it doesn't, you know, if you're, it doesn't matter how fit you are. If you're sitting on the couch at home, it doesn't matter how fit you are. It's like the day after that you, day after you got hurt, like you may be the fittest you've ever been. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're sitting on the couch because you're hurt. So versus the guy who's maybe not as fit as you, but he's not hurt. He's not hurt. He's playing. He's out there doing it. And over a long enough timeline, like that's the thing that matters. Like you know, five years down the road and five years is going to come and go. It's like the guy who is able to train consistently and avoid injuries is usually the winner. Like the guy who trains hard and, and gets those per big performance gains, like he may do better out of the gate, but man, you check in with them three, five years down the line. I mean, dude, like Cain Velasquez yep. is a really good, good example. example. Yeah. Great example, man. He came firing out of the gate, just blowing people to pieces. And he, he, to him, performance enhancement was more important than injury prevention, and you saw he gets hurt and it's taking longer, and so it then eventually it affects your performance. He goes from being the best heavyweight in the world to like out, out for so long and just Stephen when he gets back in, he's not the same guy no. just because he's not been able to train, and so but that's just, that's the thing that people have a hard time because all they're thinking about is tomorrow, and it's like man, if I if I lift five more pounds today than I did yesterday. Then I'm fitter. I'm stronger today, and it's like, yeah, you gotta. Where are you gonna be in five years, though, man? Like that mindset is not sustainable. So that's where ramping isometrics come in. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know how we got started talking about all this, but as you were saying, you you got to talk about like the safety thing as far as like, making sure your area around you is clear. Like that's funny, as I catch myself being more adamant about that. I don't know if it's this old age or getting injured, but like when I'm out in my garage doing shit, you know, if my dog's out there with me. Like if I'm going to be squatting or doing something where something could go wrong, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll make sure I go put him in his crate. You know, that way if I got to dump a weight, all of a sudden he happened to be laying down over there and I smush him with a yes. fucking barbell. Yeah. And I, and I think about that kind of shit. Like, okay, if something really goes sideways, I got to ditch this. Is it fine to go that way? It's good to go that way. I'm not going to kill a dog. I'm good. I, 
I don't ever remember thinking about that shit in my younger days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. to a certain extent, I probably did, but... You know, the problem is, is you you hang around long enough and you start to see enough things go wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Either you make enough things go wrong or you see them you're go like wrong. running across the garage holding a ladder. <laughs> you know, you're like, hmm, is this, that didn't happen to me at 21. So no. it's, hard, it's hard for you to wrap your mind around the fact that like, oh... Like that plate may start to get away from me, and I want to make sure that my dog isn't sitting there if that happens. <laughs> if I got a bitch, in this yeah. Thing. Which it's ironic because Kiele, he wasn't in the way. I mean, really, the way that the ladder went down, like Z wouldn't have been in the way. But that it was part of it because, like, right before that, Kiele had actually told him, like, Z, you gotta, you know, move, stay yeah, stay out of the way. So it is. It's something like I think you know, as you get older, you've seen more and whatever, but. You sure you're not splitting your intention? Because if you would just focus on completing the lift, you wouldn't have to worry about the fucking anything happening to your dog. And it's true. It's probably why so, maybe I failed with the lift because I split my intention. Intentions. It split. wasn't on my vision board. Well, I did not update my vision board that morning. Okay. Well. Anyways, so we're striking on some gold here for you to yeah. some homework for you. <laughs> update your vision board. Update your vision board. And you can for you can forego safety. Yeah, you can forego it. You can forego it and just make sure your intentions are set. If you, you're, yeah, I mean, fuck I think. Okay, you do those two things. It's like when I come across people out on the trail, they don't have a helmet on, <laughs> and you say, hey, buddy, don't you think you need a helmet? And they say, I don't plan on crashing. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I see, you're not splitting your intention. Your intention is to not crash, so, which isn't an intention, by the way. It would be to, like, ride rad. But anyways, but yeah, so, you know, you don't want to split your intention by assuming you might crash and wear a helmet. So. Yeah, it sounds like loser talk. It does, man. <laughs> loser thinks. Yeah, here's kids, don't wear helmets. It's fucking loser talk. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wear your helmet. Wear your helmet. I've had one save my life many times, and I've never planned on crashing. <laughs> so, it just happens. Um. Anyways. Anyways. So got some some shit to talk about man fuck yeah so we're talking about training so i actually came across two really interesting studies um one remember how we were talking about recovery breathing and the posture or, yeah. or the, the, the just like recovery posture being tall or just yeah collapsing <clears throat> apparently there's a study on it that's what kind of got it sparked it was in, i was doing a little digging around and it looks like this uh girl who she as her thesis in 2014 2015 did a study similar, like really similar to this one and found some preliminary results pointing in the direction of like, you know, uh, what, what they call, they basically look at hands on head. Cause again, like after a, after a hard effort, a lot of times you're told you don't want to lean over with your hands on your knees. You want to stand up tall. And, and even a lot of times you're told like, hands get your, your hands on your head, stand up tall, right? Open up your lungs. Get your hands on your head and stand up tall. I still do that to this day. Just it's it's, it's, it's ingrained. Me too. It's ingrained. Ingrained, yeah. man. It was ingrained. I mean, yeah. you would get in trouble mm-hmm. if you leaned over and put your hands on your knees, and and it was like you had to train yourself to fucking stand up tall, put your hands on your head, and the re- and the rationale was that when you're leaned over, you're decreasing your lung capacity. You can't breathe as deep. So if you stand up tall, it's going to help keep open up your lungs. You're going to be able to, you know, uh, recover better. Basically, that, I mean, that's how I was sold on it. And how you're sold yep. on it. Yep. It's going right. to help you recover better. Yep. And that's what, the, that's what we were told. And so, but she did the study 
looking at, uh, you know, specifically it was like a four minute interval with like three minutes rest. And so, uh, and then they were looking at hands on head versus hands on knees and looking at how well their heart rate recovered during the recovery period. And then also what was the volume of CO2 that was expelled? Because again, you're, you, you've, you're, you're trying to get rid of the buildup of CO2 in your blood. Your, your brain, the way that it works, it doesn't monitor oxygen levels, it monitors CO2 levels. And if CO2 levels get too high, well, that usually means that oxygen levels are low. So it's a reverse feedback loop. And so you're really trying to get rid of the carbon dioxide because that's, we've talked about this before, like that's what signals your brain that you can't breathe and, and, and starts to tr trigger panic breathing is when carbon dioxide levels start to get too high. And so if you're not clearing that carbon dioxide between hard efforts, then you're going into the next one already a little behind the eight ball and, and you get a few rounds in and all of a sudden you've got these elevated levels of carbon dioxide and, and you just can't perform as well. You know, your brain starts to literally shut down. It doesn't matter how tough you are. Your brain's like, no, metabolically, we're going to be fucked if we keep going this direction. I will literally shut down how hard you can work and it's so that you can't. And so, um, so anyway, all this shit's important for recovery. But they looked at it and found out that the hands-on knees was significantly better for the like heart rate recovery and uh, the volume of Signi CO2. When you say significant, you remember any numbers? Like I think I think the average heart rate recovery for hands-on head was 32, and the average heart rate recovery for people with hands-on knees was 50 something. That's 20 beats per minute. That's fucking significant, man. Like that's the difference of being at 150 and being at 130. Difference. Yeah, that's yeah a it's a huge difference. Huge difference. I mean, and I've been talking about this. Notice I'm monitoring my heart rate while we roll. And again, I can tell you from experience, there is a huge difference in how I feel if I'm able, like my heart rate, if it's still at 150 going into a round versus 130. And so, and and I saw. And I showed you the fucking data, like me standing up straight versus leaning over. It is, it's significant how much my heart rate recovers between rounds. So, I mean, like said, I think I replied the same way last time, but it, dude, it makes sense. It does. If you think about it, because it, you know, we stand tall, you know, and have good posture most of the time. Most of us do. So you don't think about all the muscles involved. But there, there's some effort to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're putting effort into it, especially you're putting your hands above your head. It's not a completely relaxed state. You know, your body's having to put some resources to doing that action. Yeah. So just completely just trying to basically go as almost as limp as possible and just letting your body do its thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be the difference, right? Is it, yeah, is it, I think that's part of the, the leaned over position. I heard somebody, I was reading some comments on, on one of the posts and Somebody referred to it as gravity-assisted breathing. Because when you lean over, you basically have gravity like pulling down. So like it, it's actually assisting with your, your breathing. You know, way. like that how posture. Is, how, how is gravity helping you? Because as you exhale, right? It's like, falling out of your mouth. Well, no, but as you exhale, and exhaling is CO2, right? right. It, it's, it's how deeply you can exhale that really determines how much CO2 you're uh, getting rid of it also that like when they when meditation and breathing techniques centered on trying like heart rate recovery and stuff all the a lot of them focus on exhaling it's the exhale that you want to focus on not so and the inhale is triggered from 
the the exhale. Like if you exhale all the way, you will automatically trigger a, a good inhalation the other way. You don't even have to think about it. So it's really the exhale. And so when you're leaned over uh, with your hands on your knees or the hands your hands on the ground, then um, as you breathe out, like gravity is literally assisting with pushing the the like air push, out pushing on your lungs yeah yeah because you can see like yeah it's not, i'm trying to envision yeah yeah so, so see like gravity like i'm breathing you know i'm here and as i breathe in right this comes up and now as i breathe out right you know like i'm my 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 back back is as it's as, as it's lowering towards the ground right like gravity is actually assisting with that motion again this is just how i i for some reason when they said that that term like made sense it's in, and you can feel that like when you're leaned over it just feels like you know it's just e- it's easier to fucking breathe when you're leaned over like that than it is when you're standing up with your hands on your head yeah and if you you think about it it's almost kind of like duh because if you ever see anybody having breathing trouble if with zero training whatsoever just someone having a trouble breathing the natural response is for them to like bend over, put their hands on their legs, or they kind of lean over and like grab something like a handrail. Yeah. But that's the like everybody kind of leans over. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever, if you well, ever think about it, right? If you think about it, would you? No one would ever. Someone had to tell somebody to put stand up straight and put their right. hands on the head. That's right. not what you naturally. It's do. not what you would naturally do. That's right. what I'm getting at. It's like, yeah. It's it's like you're. It's built into you. It's built into you. Built that into this you, is like, the way to recover. Is, yeah, you're gonna. If you need a chance of catching your breath, this is the best position to do it. Yeah, that's why people kind of lean over. Yep. Huh. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, so now there's some science behind it. It's not just uh, anecdotal evidence from myself, but uh, so yeah, I've actually been thinking about this on the mountain bike as well. Like, just you know, when I get to the top of a hard climb, again, my instinct would be I'm not taking my hands off my handlebars right. and putting them on top of my head. But it would still be to kind of like try to like get get sit up straight and get as straight as I could and you know trying to breathe that way. And now I'm just like letting myself just lean into my handlebars and stay leaned over and just recover. And so you know I haven't had as much as many rides that way as I have uh, doing jujitsu rounds to see you know exactly what kind of impact it makes. But so far it feels better and it's just hilarious, dude. I think back to like. God damn, dude. I've literally thought I was going to die a couple times, man. <laughs> dude, you're like 10,000 plus feet hammering up some crazy climb and you get to the top. And and you don't realize it until you stop. Right. You stop. And then it just crushes you. Yes. Like, and your heart is going through. And I'm sitting here trying to stay upright. <laughs> like, oh, God damn, dude. I feel like I'm going to fucking die. My heart won't stop beating so fast. <laughs> I gotta stand up straighter. Like, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And now I'm thinking back and it's like, God I just damn it, dude. Over. If I had just let myself hunch over, you know, and, and do what would have come naturally before I was trained the other way, like, you know, would it have been different? I don't know. I'm sure there's still those times I would have felt like I would have died. Right. But there's still, man, there's like some distinct times where I was like, fuck, man, I don't know if my heart is gonna stop hammering this hard and and the whole time i'm just sitting there trying to sit upright and take deep breaths man yeah yep and thinking you're doing the right thing thinking i'm doing the right thing god damn it reminds me of that uh i'm listening to the interview with that chick the victorian arab surgeon oh yeah chick it's good it? it is but it is it's full of stuff man it's like how what going on today 
are we going to look back and I say we as in, you know, not humans. we humans going to look back in like 100, 200, 300 years and be like, that was ridiculous. They put fluoride in their water. You know what I mean? Like something, something we're going to find out. But like, that's one of those things that we are finding out. Like there were generations of kids raised on this traditional wisdom of standing up, hands on your head to recover and dude, we're gonna look back in like Bucks. fifty years and be like, "What the fuck was wrong with those people? Like, why were they doing that to people? It doesn't make any sense." Because we're monkeys. And it's like, man, you gotta put yourself in the minds of an early twenty-first century strength coach. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about kettlebells. So, anyways, that's gonna be one too. They're gonna look back on it and be like, "What was our goddamn infatuation with kettlebells?" Russian, like Jesus Christ. I know. I was thinking about that. Actually, I want to write an article like the top three ways kettlebells have fucked up the fitness industry. <laughs> that's gonna ruffle some feathers. It will, man. But it is. It's like people forget. Like it was a marketing thing. Because I mean, we've talked about like how maddening it is that like a Turkish getup. It's not a kettlebell exercise, but it's been marketed and presented to the point that like in the vast majority of people's minds it's, kettlebell it's a kettlebell exercise even a swing that's not a kettlebell exercise you can do dumbbell swings you can do indian club swings you can do mace swings like that movement is the exercise the tool is secondary to it and so like by co-opting these exercises into their system and making people think that these are kettlebell exercises they've actually retarded the use of these exercises and, and not allowed them to be used to their full potential because people don't think of using other tools for them it's like no you use kettlebells for that right and you use these other things like well if you don't have a kettlebell you can use that you know what i mean like that's the attitude so what about sandbag getups well you know, if you don't have a kettlebell, I guess it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, it's probably fucking better. I was thinking about it too. I'm, I'm uh, in just my fucking side rant here. Like, because <clears throat> I've been thinking a lot about like how much pushing and pulling are tied into rotation of the hand, right? And a lot of it started when I started working with the angles 90 and starting to really be able to feel like how much rotating, just how good it feels. And you can just, it, it feels so much different than your hand being in this weird fixed position. And so, but when you got a kettlebell, when you're doing kettlebell presses, and the reason this came up, cause like my, my elbows were fucking hurting. I was doing some floor presses and it's just like every time I tried to do kettlebell presses, my elbows hurt. And I realized what's happening is cause the kettlebell is resting on my forearm, right? And so you're taught that a good kettlebell press, that your, your wrist doesn't rotate, right? Cause you don't want the kettlebell twisting off of your forearm. That's bad form, right? Am I wrong? I never. If you're holding a kettlebell, the, the way I see, but press. see the way I always hold a kettlebell for shoulder press, though, right. I hold it on an angle. It, right. sit, it sits right here on my right. forearm. It's yeah. not. It's locked in. Yeah. Right. But and your wrist doesn't move. No. 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 It doesn't move. You, you you rotate your forearm, you but not your, your wrist. Forearm, not my wrist. That's yeah. not natural, man. That's not natural. That's not how you, you. That's not how you throw a punch. True. Right? It's not how you throw a baseball. It's not how you pull. You you don't pull, like grab somebody's gi and pull it. You know what I mean? Like, so you're rotating your wrist and rotating your wrist rotates the forearm. And so you're, 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 you're basically training your, your upper arm or lower arm to move in this really unnatural way because of how that weight is setting against your 
your wrist. Now you can hold a, 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 a Indian club, and because it's not sitting on your wrist, it doesn't lock it in. Yeah, because it feels bad. You don't want that fucking kettlebell grinding on your wrist bone, mm-hmm. and so you don't twist your wrist. So you get it sit. You find a spot where the ball sits. Where it doesn't quite hurt so bad. Yes, and then and that and that's actually what you're pressing into. You're actually kind of taught to press into that ball with your forearm. It's all fucking bullshit. (laughs) It's all unnatural movement bullshit. (laughs) So I feel like you've been thinking about this kettlebell thing lately. Man, I was in the shower thinking about this fucking my forearm (laughs) once. I was like, why does it hurt? Like, why can I grab dumbbells? Why can I do, you know, I can do all these other pressing movements, but God damn it, kettlebells fucking still hurt. What is going on there? And I, and I realized it's because the way they sit on my forearm, my, 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 my wrist can't twist, my arm can't move naturally, and it's a very unnatural pressing movement for the body to do. So it, uh, yeah, it fucks up your elbows apparently. I'm going to blame my elbow shit on kettlebells, kettlebells now. It was mountain biking, but kettlebells is my new target. Sure. I gotta find somebody to blame it on. Probably genetics, fucking God. Shit, genetics. All of it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so, um, there you go, kettlebells. Interesting. Yeah. I, I had some bro science. I'm all about, like, dumbbells. I'm thinking, like, dumbbells. Because, again, man, I told you, I read the old time strongman shit. They talked about dumbbells and ring weights, which are not kettlebells. But, like, dumbbells, you can do your presses and get that natural rotation just fine. So, I think I'm gonna sell my fucking kettlebells and, and get my dumbbells back. I'm not ready to make that leap yet. I know you're not. I know. It's fine. But you will be. Eh, probably not. Yeah, I'll keep hammering you. You can. I don't think I'll... Like, what do you use them for? Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, what do you use your kettlebells for? Presses. Okay, so but if I just convince you in any way... Deadlifts. The, you know, the 70s. Yeah. I like doing your deadlifts with them. That's about the only I'll thing I like doing. I mean, I haven't done swings since I got hurt, but I'll, do, I'll still do swings with them sometimes. Yeah. I'm just saying, you, you can use dumbbells for all Clean that. Clean presses, yeah. Dumbbells for all that. Yeah, but I got mine. And I'd even argue that you'd be better off using dumbbells. And I got kettlebells already. That's I know. God damn it, dude. We got fucking fooled. We thought we were like in on the secret. I see. I don't see it like that. I'm I'm okay. I did. I was drinking the kettlebell Kool-Aid hard for a long time. You converted me, you know, a little bit away from them. You know, because I liked the other stuff better. But I don't don't feel like I got hoodwinked. No, you don't think Duquesne and... Fucking, I think so a little bit, man. I, mean, a I think I got hoodwinked a little bit. I got, I got, I got a little hoodwinked. I've said it before, man. It's like it was a goddamn Russian weight of measurement. Okay? It was never designed to train people. It was never a tool where someone sat down and said, hey, we got to train people for a purpose like wrestling or combat. So let's design a tool for this purpose. What would this tool look like? Oh, an Indian club and a mace. Right? It's a complete... Like, the fucking kettlebell is like, hey, fucking Vasilev. <laughs> Vasilev. <laughs> I bet I can take that pood over there and get it over my head more than you. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of what the fuck happened. It was these measurement things that they had that they started, like, lifting with. And it became a thing. And it's great. Okay, you take what you have and you adapt it if that's what, all that you have. But we have other stuff. in my mind, it's like, okay, I'll use kettlebells if I don't have these other tools because these other tools are fucking better. Like, I'll, but, you know, but the, the way that most people look at it is the reverse. Like, I, will, I want kettlebells first. I will use these other tools if I don't have kettlebells. See, it's, 
I know you and I are both the same way. Like, we look at it the other way. Like, if we have to use kettlebells, we'll use them. And there's still some things we use them for. But I still don't, I don't feel like I got hoodwinked because I don't, I'm not worse off for drinking that kettlebell Kool-Aid and going out. Like, I don't think I'm worse off. Well, let me, if you think uh, the mace would have been, you know, like, basically the, which one do you think is more valuable, the mace or the kettlebell? The mace. So like so so if you're gonna say like the exact same claims are made about the tool, like which one do you think do you know? Like if I would have got introduced to both of them at the same time. I'm just saying like yeah yeah like do yeah. You, if you you would think how do I put it like you would feel more solid about what you got out of the mace if the mace was the first one. I, I guess I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's my new mission. I mean, as many people as I can make doubt their kettlebell orthodoxy <laughs> the better it's what I do orthodoxy. man it is it's all fucking Mark Twain's quote when you find yourself on the side of the majority it may be time to sit back and check your position it's like when your postman is working out with kettlebells maybe things have gone too far what do you what do you got against having a fucking jack postman working out with no it's just a saying I heard one time like when the real estate market it was like when your when your postman is getting into real estate you know it's time to get out of real estate like when everyone knows real estate's the hot thing, and so like you know what I mean. It was it's just I, I think it's not that against Postman. I think it's derogatory against Postman, James. It's, I think I think you just offended any fucking mailman we have I, listening to this podcast. Well, I I'm apologize. a little triggered by it. I know you're a you're a quasi mailman, dude. Just you're kind of in that category. I'm in the category. You are. I'm kind of wondering how I get lumped into these retarded muscle bound postmen you got in your world running around. Uh, well, no, it's more you. You know, you tell me about some of your coworkers. So, you're gonna tell me that if one of your coworkers comes up to you and says, "Like, dude, I'm getting into real estate," you're gonna think real estate's still a good option? No. So well, there you go. <laughs> I, I did. I, I remember that's when I lost my shit about the fucking keto diet when I heard like yes. three extremely overweight people in the in the office talking about how they're all on the keto diet. Yep. And they were experts in it. Hmm. Which actually segues into my next study. Sweet. The next study looked at uh, low-carb diets and how they impacted anaerobic uh, performance. And so, in a nutshell, it found that uh, it significantly uh, impacted it like in a negative way. So, like, what they did is that I didn't look too deep at this one. Um, I just looked at the abstract, but. They were looking at a really low carb, like 9%, uh, 10% somewhere in there versus uh, 60s, you know, somewhere in that range uh, diet. And then they were using um, like the Wingate test, which is like a cycling, uh, you know, endurance. Like it's a pretty hard, like high intensity anaerobic, uh, you know, that's what it's designed to test is like your anaerobic capacity. And so, uh, and the thing with this one is it was done on trained individuals. So it wasn't just like, you know, college Joe students. Schmo. Yeah, Joe Schmo or people that have never trained before. So they found like experienced people and they were testing. They said they were testing like their blood pH and stuff to kind of, you know, make sure the low carb people really were, you know, low carb and all that stuff. And, uh, but yeah, they found that, it, you know, in the parameters they tested that low carb, diet significantly impaired the uh your anaerobic performance so which on some level goes into the like well duh, duh. category but just again this is there's science like starting to 
um, back this stuff up more than just it being like logical or anecdotal evidence as That's far good. as... I'm glad there's studies now to straighten those fucking people out. Yeah. That the keto diet's not for everybody. And if you're if you're in a participate in a sport where you got those metabolic, you know, and you need anaerobic power. If you're doing jujitsu, that's you. Like you're gonna need carbs and sugar, man. Yep. I need hate, it. Fucking hate to tell you. Yep. They, there is exceptions to the rule. There is some people that can get fat adapted and probably do okay with it. But those people are few and fucking far between. Yeah. Few and very few and far between. Which well, is you yeah. can't fuel anaerobic performance nope. with fat. Just, it's just you can't do it. And so, you know, yeah. Yeah, you need sugar, man. Or not sugar. sugar. Well, you need, need you need carbs. You need carbs. Right. So it's uh you know, as far as like and this is where like why are you eating this way comes in. Because if you're eating this way for if you're saying I need to lose weight, okay, cool. Like if you want to go a low carb diet, like and it, it, it definitely can help with that or if you're like uh you know longevity purposes just want to really manage insulin levels and stuff like that okay cool but if you're like i'm doing it for jujitsu because it's going to help my jujitsu it's like no no it's not like unless you need to lose weight now but it's not going to directly help your jujitsu so if you're trying to follow some low carb diet and be training jujitsu and you somehow think this is helping your jujitsu um, yeah, the truth is it's not. It's and, not. Yeah, the science is confirming that. And so, um, yeah. So anyways. I would hope by now most people realize that, but. No. Maybe not. I don't think so. I still, I mean, what do you, because I was thinking about this. Like for me, I would recommend people start with something like the zone, like the 30, 30, 40, yeah. like 30% protein, it's a good, it's a good place 30% to start. fat, 40% carbs. And then adjust. And then play with it. Adjust with it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, so when we're talking like low carb, again, like some people may, because that's 30% carbs is pretty low carb compared to 60%. Right. Right, 60%, I'd say that's like high. That seems pretty high. You know, and so, um, but man, some people, I'll guarantee you, I'm probably pushing that fucking 60%, 60 plus percent carbohydrate. Some days. Yeah, yeah. Because there, I, there's, there's days I am when Kelly gives me a fresh loaf of sourdough bread. Yeah, <laughs> but I burn it, man. Like I got a super yeah. high metabolism. Like I burn, I, I process carbs much more efficiently than a lot of people. I mean, that's like at, at 43, that's pretty fucking evident. And it's definitely training and lifestyle and stuff like that. But um, I can get definitely way looser with my diet than, uh, than a lot of people can. So, but that's just it. It's like, I, I, I start to feel, if I go too low carb, I don't feel good with it, so. And then you know that's something everybody has to find out for themselves. Yeah, you got it. You got to start somewhere, and then pay attention how you feel, and then start adjusting from. Yeah, you know. I guess the zone be forty percent carbs, so it's still lower than sixty, but it's not like half. It's not thirty, so it's not as as big. But uh, so, anyways, yeah, I think that's if you if people want to where to start, it's I think a that's place, a good, it's place, a good to place to start if you're trying to like hey, I want to get into a diet. And I think. A lot of your like paleo, just, I was thinking the problem is a lot of these things start to get lumped under this this umbrella, right? So when you say low carb, you, you know people can throw out paleo diet, they can say ketogenic diet, they can 
Atkins you know, died. Atkins died. Uh, intermittent fasting, yeah. kind of. And again, what's funny is it's like, well, you know, it's not really a little carb. That's a eating schedule. Like you still have to have a strategy for what the fuck you're gonna eat when, when you're eating, eating right. right? Like it's not a diet. That's just a strategy or schedule strategy. Um, so yeah, it's like, what do you? What are what? What does that mean exactly? And so that's you know, ketogenic is really low, like ten percent or so. But even like something like the the zone diet, I'd say is still pretty low carb. I mean, you're like forty percent. It's, it's it's probably quite a bit lower than what most people are doing yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, or you could just go carnivore diet and just say fuck carbs. Good. Could just be a meatarian. Meatarian. I don't know. Studies on that aren't out yet. So, or did they do some studies? Uh, I don't know. I've been hearing. I've been hearing. It sounds like they're not the quite nutri- as enamored with it as they were. Nutrition studies are so hard to do. You know, to lock someone in a lab for six months. Like blood work. Picture, yeah. You know, wasn't it like the guy? I guess yeah. Was, there's, there's dead doctor Sean Baker. You know, he ended up doing his blood work, and it did came. It did look good when it came back. Yeah. I think he was really low testosterone. Some other, there was some other blood markers in there. That weren't ideal. Yeah. And his his argument, if I remember right, it was just like, well, fuck it, I feel good. So who really cared what the markers say? If I if I remember right, it's hard to argue with that. Leprechauns. Whatever. You know, it's like fuck. Okay. Manifesting his own destiny. Yeah, right? man, it's okay. If you feel good. If you feel good, run with it. So, but hey, man, placebo effect plays a role. There's a lot. It plays a big role. So, then you find out the guy is a closet fucking. Ice cream every night. <laughs> um, ah, shit. So, all right. Then I got one more. I got a bro science thing. I know okay, you got. I a bro got. I got thing. one too. Mine's pretty simple and easy. Yeah. It's interesting, but anyway, go ahead. So last week, I brought up lesbians. Oh, that's right. We because I Isle of Lesbo. Island we were, of Lesbos. We were wondering like how where did that name come from? Yes. How did lesbians co-opt? Because up until a certain point the term lesbian referred to things that came from the island of Lesbos. And so what happened? You ready? Yes, I'm ready. So apparently there was a poet, a uh, Greek poet, a uh, lady poet um, named Sappho, S-A-P-P-H-O. And uh, she was somehow in charge of some girls, you know, like helping raise them or teach them or something. And she wrote, uh, she was a... Um, a poet and so I guess not a lot of her stuff exists but what does exist uh, talks a lot about like women's lives and stuff like that but there's one poem I think in particular where she expresses her love for uh, young girls and so what happened was in the 1800s they were trying to like start like science you know medical science is starting to come around you got Sigmund Freud and you know, starting to get the, the psychology and stuff. And, and so uh, they were trying to categorize different mental things, right? And so up until this point, they did not have a term for a woman who loved a woman or, or a woman who liked women. There was no, like, name for, name, it. Name for it. It was just, you know, whatever. Uh, Aunt Sue, whatever you call it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, and so there were there was this doctor who was writing something about this condition as they you know called it, and in it he referred to this poem I guess is like a historical reference to this condition, and so he referred to this poet, 
and refer to it as, you know, from uh, Sappho the lesbian. Because she's from Lesbos. No. And there you go. And then another guy takes it and he refer references the poem. But then just, and I guess like in the original one was like, you know, there was some references to lesbian from the island of Lesbos. And then the next time it gets referred to, it was just lesbian. And then it just kind of went from there. Like, and so the medical establishment just started referring to... Just hijacked the term. In a way, yeah. I guess, like, they also used to call them uh, um, uh, safists or, or safists or something. S-A... After her, after her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was, a, there was a time when there were some interchangeable terms, but it was all basically, like, Sappho the lesbian um, was the... Uh, where this started. But yeah, up until, like, the mid-1800s, man. Like, anything... You had lesbian wine and lesbian music and lesbian whatever and that's what it referred to everybody in the world said that refers to that so like if you think about it, it's really kind of it's like only been in the last 100 150 years that that term has existed and referred to what it does so damn dropping knowledge on the grumpy guy listeners yeah man i thought it was kind of interesting it is pretty, it is pretty interesting I thought it was kind of interesting. So, because, yeah, again, like That's I said. Funny, I never looked that up. I, I remember look, looking up where the term faggot came from and learning that. But for some reason, I never researched where the term lesbian came from. No. Anyways, my bro science. Is not faggot? Is, no, I didn't look that up. I didn't. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, this, apparently, this happens to quite a few people. I'm curious if it happens to you. Like, on a regular basis, when I'm falling asleep, like I'll twitch, uh-huh. like violently, like like my arm, dude. There's times like my arm, like if it's bent, like on my chest, I lay down, and fall asleep, and like it'll whoop, whoop, it'll go straight out. Like I, or I'll, my whole body will kind of twitch. I get these really violent like muscle spasms, and I say, like, cause it, dude, it's all it's always happened to me ever since I can fucking remember. And I and I know like I can I've learned over the years that if I worked out really hard. I'm more prone to it that night when I go to bed. Like, my muscles will fucking fire. And so that's just kind of what I always chalked it up to. It was just, stored energy. Yeah, just stored energy or something, right? Well, that's, that's not the case. So I, I, so I looked it up. I was like, why the fuck does this happen? In essence, no one really knows. There's some theories. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's really common. There's a lot yeah. of people that say this happens to them. Yeah. You know, on different levels. Uh, there's actually a name for it. They call it. There was a longer name, which I, it's escaping me right now. But the shorter name was Hypnic Jerk. It sounds like a fucking band. Yeah, <laughs> Hypnic Jerk. But that's the name of it. And uh, you know, they they've discovered, like I said, you know, you know, working out intensely can you know induce it, or maybe high amounts of caffeine, which it also is in my life that can cause it. Um, but there's also some theories that it's. Uh, and it's from an evolution standpoint when we used to sleep up in the trees it would keep you like right before you fell asleep it would fucking jerk you awake so you could maybe double check your position make sure you weren't gonna fucking fall out of the tree maybe the jerk that would knock you out of the tree that man. could happen that could happen but that was one of the theories it was it's still in us when maybe we that was the, the test tree. it's like if you fell trees. out of the tree from the jerk you knew that you, you were in not spot. in a good spot. <laughs> it could be. And so, but if you jerked and didn't fall out, you, you could fall you're all right. You're in a good spot. And then it that was, it was uh, eventually more monkeys were in good spots than not, yep. but somehow the jerk persist, persisted. Persist. Huh. So Interesting. Yep. That's one theory. Yeah. 
I have something, I have similar, but most of the time it's associated, I'll be starting to doze off and I'll have a fucking like a dream and I'll be like dreaming that something happens and, and then I'll, react. and I react and I actually like, like fucking move and do it in, in real life. So I've had a few of those for sure where you're just like, like something just jerks and like, what the fuck was that, man? Like what's going on here? <laughs> but a lot of times I'm in this really weird, like. Where I'm asleep, but not. But I'm not quite, quite asleep. Right. Like I'm still a little fucking conscious. You're like in a little dream state. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That, that that in between state there. So I've definitely done that before too. That happens quite a bit yeah. when I'm going to sleep at night. And usually, like it'll happen to where I lay down and I knock out for about a half hour, forty five minutes. And I'll wake myself up like that, like reacting to something stupid. I'm like, oh, just a dream. And yeah, then I yeah. then I fall asleep and I'm asleep. You know, but. You know, these little hypnic jerks, man. I'll get that shit quite a bit. That's interesting. Yeah, my dude, huh. It'll be aggressive sometimes. Huh. Yeah. I told you I went on a mountain bike more. Kelly would tell me I'd be like moving my fingers like I'm working my brakes on my bike. Nice. Yeah. She's like, you were dreaming about biking last night, huh? I was like, your fingers were going crazy. It's <laughs> like, yeah, man. It's a good dream. That's awesome. So. Anyway, so yeah, that was my bro science. Random kind of bro science. But. Cool. Well, that's all my science and bro science. So, should we talk some jujitsu? Jujitsu. So yeah, it was uh, we were looking for a subject, and we had one on deck. We may still come back to, but then I came across a uh, an article, and I uh, sent it to you, and you thought it'd be a good subject to talk about. But in a nutshell, uh, John Donaher was being interviewed and said something to the effect of. That to get really good at jujitsu, you need to spend. I mean, he said eighty to ninety percent of your time rolling and training with people who are uh, less skilled than you are, and that the idea of becoming better by always going with the hardest people in the room is uh, is a little uh, bit of a misnomer, and that you'll become hard to submit. But you may not necessarily get like really good at jujitsu because eventually, again, I think this is where a lot of you know comes down to like, well, what's what are people thinking about when they say that word? And his goal is to submit people, like you know, in 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 his mind, the ultimate goal of jujitsu is to submit someone. And so, uh, if you want to get really good at submitting people, you have to practice that a lot on people who aren't as skilled as you. So. Um, anyways, just setting it up, man. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it. I, I like the idea. I think it's interesting. I think putting, uh, like quantifying it with like 80 to 90% of your time. Yeah. It seems a bit excessive in my opinion, but it's, it's hard. I, Cause I really think it boils down to, um, periodization of your training. You know, is because there's going to be times to where, yeah, you're you're ironing out some details on some new techniques. You're you're trying to add to your game. Yeah, you got to do them on people that aren't as good as you, because you're not going to be able to do them on people you're equal with. Yeah, there's people that are better than you because you're just fucking trying to survive. Um, yes, yeah, so, to me, doing that 90 percent of the time seems like a lot. But yeah, I mean, if you got if you had ten rolls, which is if if we train for an hour. And we got five minutes on, a minute off. You get ten rounds in in that time. So that's saying that 
eight, at least eight out of those 10 rounds, you'd be going with someone who is uh, less skilled than you and working on your stuff. And two rounds, you'd be going, going with someone who's like your same level or higher kind of it, thing. It really, again, I think it really depends on where you're at. Like, are you training for a competition? Because he said that too in the article. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That changes yeah, as you get changes, closer to competition. Like if you're if you're coming up on a competition or you know a match, yeah. You, as you get closer in your quote unquote training camp, you're going to start rolling with tougher and tougher guys to simulate more game time speed. Yeah. But yeah, when you're developing the game, rolling with people less than you, yeah, it's it's kind of tough too to think about because most people don't really have the luxury of that option. Right. You know what I mean. Like you, you go to a school his size, like yeah, yeah, Henzo's. You go to Henzo's and fucking, fucking in the middle fifty of the week, people in the sixty room. people on the goddamn mat. Yeah, you know, yeah, you you can do that. Most gyms aren't like that. Yeah, I mean, big cities and big gyms, yes, but most gyms around the country, you just got to train with who's on the fucking mat. Right. You, you don't. You can't. You can't really. Pick, you can pick that. Maybe just like one or two people. Um, and I do. I've done that before, but to do that on a regular basis, it's really just not feasible. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's not. I think that like the specifics of it are, you know, again, we can debate that and the reality of it. I think the the more interesting point is the idea of kind of, you know, challenging the idea that the way to get better is to always be going with the toughest guy in the room and getting your ass kicked, and that you know, there's a time and a place for that. But like I said, I like the way that he put it because, man, that will make you hard to submit. Yeah. Like you, you will definitely get good at surviving. And, and there's a skill, like there's something to be said for that skill. Like, you know, you being able to survive a fucking black belt coming at you, really trying to take your fucking lunch money. And man, even if it's just surviving an extra 30 seconds or, or whatever, like there's something there. But again, we've said this too. I ain't learning anything at that point. There's zero learning going zero on. Zero learning. Zero learning. It is just survival. And so, uh, you know, if you're always in that mode, it makes it hard to uh, to to learn and, and actually get better at jujitsu. But like you said, man, there's been so many times I've walked in and it's like, dude, we got a half dozen people in there for open mat, and like the easiest person there is Trey. Not an insult that's to Trey. I, I don't mean that as an insult. Right. I mean that as a fucking compliment, man. Like I'm probably the easiest person there. Like you know, but I can't wrestle myself. So, <laughs> but that's the uh, um, God. I remember when we first opened, and it was Kevin, you, Cameron, Nick, Henny, and me. That's a rough day for you, dude. Every day was just fucking a rough day. Yeah, but uh, so that's the other thing too is um. Like man, when you first start, you, 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 that's not even a possibility that's not for even you. A possibility. It's not even a possibility for you. This is something. It's more of like something to think about, like as you're advancing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as you're, you know, when you first start, man, your first six months, you're just there's it's all survival, man. You learn how to tread water. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. It, that's it. By the end of the, your first year, you might be getting to the point where you can take some, you know, newbie who doesn't have some weird athletic gift or outweighs you by twenty pounds and start to, you know, work some stuff on them and get some things. But, um, you know, and at that point, you know, okay, maybe you are starting to think about like I, I do need to, you know, roll with these easier guys. I think that's the hard part because 
everyone starts on day one, everyone's fucking kicking your ass. Everyone. So you learn to become fucking tough. Like you have to learn to become tough in jujitsu. And then it's like, but at some point, if that mindset doesn't change, it can actually stunt your long-term growth. And I think, I think that's I've kind seen of that, I've seen that. Hap- I've seen that happen with guys. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've seen guys that don't get out of that shell that just stay in defense mode because they've just been fucking whipping posts for everybody for so long. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of ingrained into them. Yeah, man. And you get, you know, you keep going up and you keep like always looking for the toughest dude in the room and you're just like, this is, this is how I get better at jujitsu. Because, man, for the first year plus, that is how you got better at jujitsu is just accepting whatever challenges came your way, learning to survive. And then, yeah, at some point, you, you do get to the point where, like, you can start working stuff on people who are less skilled than you. Like, you, I joke around, man. It's like, you know, you show up long enough, eventually you will know more than someone else. And so at that point, then you can start, you know, picking on those people a little bit. Um, it's funny, I read something. Joe Rogan's got a quote like that, too, about, like, the way to get really good at jujitsu is to just strangle blue belts. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, blue belts are, like, perfect because they know enough to react smart and, and present, you know, a, a challenge in the way that they, they, they have some good fundamental jujitsu. You're not just dealing with like randomness, random, like what the fuck is this guy <laughs> doing right here? Yeah. Um, but there's still the point though, that you can, you can still impose your will on them a little bit and exploit some, some, uh, you know, knowledge gaps. But you know, that's, I have to say, man, that is their, uh, my, my my boy Oliver, my triangle uh, dummy. Oscar. Oscar. Sorry, not Oliver. That's another friend of ours. Oscar, that's right, man. Um, dude, my triangles have gotten fucking really good because <laughs> of that guy. I feel like I owe him a present or something. Well, you know, it's it's funny. He's like he, This article, he, he, he states, you know, makes a statement. You know, 89% of the time, training people not as skilled as you. And he talks about periodization, yeah. you know, ramping up, going to competition. It's really the kind of the same shit we've been saying. Like, we don't have in a smaller gym. I mean, we're growing. we got a lot of awesome training partners. But you don't really have that luxury. But we've talked about a number of occasions is really, and that's what I do all the time, is every training partner we have, I know, you know, basically what they're good at and what how I can use them to better myself. Yeah. So I... Hell like, yeah! You know what I mean? Like yep. oh he if I like oh he's really good at this. Let's get to here so I got to deal with it. Yep. And you you know that about all your training partners. So you you know how they can best benefit you. So we kind of do that anyways. Yep. You know you, does that make sense? Yeah 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 yeah. And but, then, then there's days to where like I back when I could wrestle, <laughs> but there's days that, that I only roll with a couple people. Like I, I had a specific intention that day. And I'm rolling with this guy, this guy, this guy, and that's it. Yeah. I'm just jumping from these two or three guys. Just, yeah. You know. Yeah, I know. I gotta say, I've been, I have definitely been guilty of, um, God. There's been more than once where I've just been like, God, I, I, I want the challenge, man. I want the challenge, and so like, uh, yeah, it's like, okay, is that new? You know, the the white belt over there or fucking Corey again? All right, Mauler, let's go. Let's go, Mauler. You know, that's just. It, and and I, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely guilty of doing that because, I, like, to me, like, like I have fun, you know, like that that whole like, you you know, you're it, it's 
you know, fun, man, it can be a little fucking boring rolling with some people when you're way more skilled than they are. But it is like, that is where you get the chance to really hone things in a different way. Uh, you know, f you know, really work on your ability to make people go down a path that you want them to and, and work on these things. And, um, so anyways, yeah, it's now that I think about it, I'm like, fuck, I'm kind of guilty of, of, uh, always looking for that challenge too, man. Cause you want it. You want it. You want push. it. And it's, yeah. fun. it's fun. And, and then you got like your, your, you know, your, your training buddies are like, you get your little rivalry going with them. And it's like, I remember who got the best of who the last round motherfucker. Yeah. And so do you, you know, and who was the last one to tap the other one out. And it, it, not only do you do develop little rival, rivalries with your training buddies, but you, you get little rival rivalries within certain training like certain positions right like, yes you like like oh and that last time in that position he bested me i don't know if he remembers it but i fucking remember it oh dude yeah no i know like, certain certain little positions tray or, on my back yeah. like that's one of those where i'm like dude i'm not gonna let this i gotta get this motherfucker off of here like there's there's a rival within the rivalry yeah. and i know that's the way it is with me with leg locks with yeah. people like people do not want to let me catch them in leg locks or if they if i get there i know they're like with the higher belt it's like they're trying to fucking see if they can get out of it. It's a, you know, the challenge. So, um, yeah, rivalry within the rivalry. It is fun. And it's healthy shit, by it the way. Yeah, healthy. you want to make sure that it's a healthy rivalry. We're not right. talking like, uh, you know. Hurting each other. Or just like keeping score in right, a real right. way or the, something Yeah, like there's that. no, yeah, you're not yeah, really keeping track. Yeah, it's just more of a, like, uh -huh, okay, motherfucker, I remember what you got me with last time. You know, fool me once, bitch. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what's funny is, I've had it happen to me, like, you know, slap hands with somebody, be like, all right, hey, this shit ain't gonna go down like it happened last time. Right. Because I, and I'll tell them that, because I'll remember a certain thing, like, they, they fucked me up in a certain position, but then they have a completely different memory. I, I've said that to somebody before, and they're like, what are you talking about? You fucking killed me last time. I'm like, no, what about this position? And they're like, oh, there was a lot of other shit that happened yeah, after that, uh, but I'm so focused that on 15 that, seconds that one 15 yeah. seconds, they were, they were fucking me up, and that, that covers the whole round in my brain and my memory. Right. Like, what? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so... No, that's good. Like, yeah, it was a good interview. Good article. Yeah. yeah. I think it helps present it to people to get the, get their head thinking in that direction. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta get... You need to have permission to not always kick your ass. Yeah. And that's... It's, and I think that's kind of more... I, I even think the 80 to 90%, man, I think he was... Like it's just such an extreme number to almost kind of like get you like whoa get you kind of wake you up yeah yeah things. yeah like wow that much huh because if you had been like you know you should be rolling with people less skilled than you it's like everyone's like well yeah of course but you know he throws out eighty to ninety percent it's you really start to have to think about like wait how, how much am I training how do I yeah do why would he say that is that really better and so again I don't the the specific number is not really important as much as just giving people permission. Like, hey, man, sometimes it's okay to go with the easier person, but you're not doing it to, to take, take a, a break. Off. You're yeah. not doing it to take a break. You're doing no. it to work, work another aspect yes. of your game. Yeah, you're doing it because you're using that as a specific tool to help you get better at your jiu-jitsu, not just to beat up on fucking women and children so you feel better about yourself. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was doing prior to surgery. Like that last two weeks, three weeks prior to surgery, that's all I was doing was beating yeah. up women and children. Yeah, so... 
But yeah, it's a different. Uh, but even then, you know, you're working shit. But that's we. No, I was just massaging my ego until I couldn't wrestle anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I was doing. Smashing. Smashing chicks. Yeah. So. There you go, man. All right. That's all I got on that. That's all I got, man. It's good, yeah. Taking the Kasai. I think Kasai Five this weekend. It'll watch that on Flow. I think it's on Flow Grappling. Is that the one Flo with Flow Grappling? Nicky Ryan and Uriah's favor? No. I don't think oh, so. Or that's Polaris. I don't, I don't know what venue they're fighting in. Huh. I know Kasai Pro this weekend's got the cards pretty stacked. I think Craig Jones is in it. Yeah. Is this one where he's going against uh, Hinger? No, I don't think Hinger's in it. I'm pretty sure. God damn, I thought Craig Jones and Josh Hinger had a match or something. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm off. It's hard to keep Sorry, up. man. There's so much shit going there's, on. There is a lot. I can't. The, the, the different uh, promotions. I'm pumped, but I have a tough time keeping them straight. Yeah. And that, that I just did... see a match, and I don't I don't necessarily make my brain attach like what promotion the match is to. I just like, oh, that looks like a good fucking match. Yeah. And so. yeah, and, and to watch all the different promotions, they're not. it's not like they're all on one app. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. to, to figure out where everything's at and what time it is, because it might be in a different part of the world, so it, it comes on on Sunday afternoon at like 1, you know? Right, yeah. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to keep track. But. Yeah. Oh, by the way, just figure out the 1FC thing. Is that the... You're talking about that. It is that Bleacher Report. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't looked into it. I saw the highlights. Yeah. But I saw, I, I think I heard somewhere that they are like the carriers for it. Is it so, free or do you gotta have a subscription to this I'm pretty shit? pretty sure there's a subscription, man. Oh, I gotta believe it. it. Another fucking subscription. Yeah. I want another three bucks or something from you. Whatever. Yeah. So. There yeah. you go. That's about all I got. That's all I got, I man. Got enough intelligent to talk about. That was some good shit today. That was probably one of our more intelligent ones. We had a lot <laughs> you of You think so? Dude, we had real science. We talked about real scientific studies. We talked about legitimate history. I mean, I would say like this was probably one of our better researched uh, episodes. I think so. By far. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Is that only because you came up with the science and the research and it wasn't me? No. No. Had nothing to do with that. It's just the way the stars aligned. You look some shit up. You found out about like... Hypnic jerks. Hypnic jerks. See? That was legitimate research. So There was another study I looked up that was about... This actually it was a pretty legit nutrition slash like weight loss study they did it at University of Colorado. Uh-huh. I didn't I don't even got to get into all the details, but it was about fat people who lost the weight. They lost like 30, 40 pounds. And they they had so that was the base group, then the control group was some people that were just normal weight, then there was an obese group. And they, they it was actually a pretty involved study. They you know, monitored their their amount of activity and their amount of calories in and they were kind of proving that activity trumped the calories somehow. Mm. I forget how they worded yeah. it. But the people that lost the weight and kept it off on average were walking like 12,000 steps a day and the obese people were only getting like six. Yeah. And, but it was, it was a pretty good study but sorry, I didn't want to bore everybody with it. No, I think that's interesting, man. Like, yeah. honestly, because it is. But that's the dirty little secret is you can't out-train a bad diet. You, yeah, it's like, you know, how important just little activity is just steps. Yeah. Just parking a little further away. Just moving. Taking them, just moving. Yeah. I, I, I'm feeling so much better now that I can move. Now that I'm back to walking without crutches. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Starting to, I got to get my average. My average steps dropped to like 8,000 a day. Whew. On my Man. fucking Fitbit. 
That's it's so low. All your friends are disappointed. Oh wait, you don't I have any. I friended everybody, <laughs> but for my own purposes, I've been yeah. getting back up to like fifteen, sixteen thousand steps in a day. Though it's kind of funny though. I can really. That's about my max. If I I start hitting about fifteen or sixteen, like my knees pretty wore out. Yeah. And the next day I feel it. It's a lot of walking around. I mean, yeah. I know not for normal, but if you consider that maybe, like all that walking, may not be good for your knees. Um, no. No? No. Because we're only designed to walk a certain amount of miles a day. Psh. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Whatever, Whatever. man. Anyways. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. That'll be for next week. I don't have any research to back that statement. We'll look that one up. So. (laughs) All right. See you guys later. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ Podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. That's it for now. So get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week.